0: <laughs>
1: Why are you just looking at me?
0: I don't know. I froze. <laughs> I
1: thought I thought you were gonna you said I have a cold start, don't worry about it. And now and you didn't say anything. I
0: okay. Yeah, so I just got back from Mexico, right? Yeah. I got you a gift. Oh, you got a me souvenir. a gift from Mexico. Here you,
1: go. you didn't even tell me. What is Surprise. it? Surprise. This is a miniature coffee cup shot glass thing. And it says Cancun. And it's got a skull. And it says uh, No Andaba Muerto. Andaba de." That's kind of cut off.
0: Yeah, I don't really uh, know what that means, but parand. it looks cool. <laughs>
1: I think that's a D. Parand. Um So yeah, it's, that's cool.
0: Little coffee cup, because we always drink coffee. Yeah.
1: So uh, This is way better than Shroot Farms. I'm going <laughs> to... For now on, we're gonna use this coffee cup and I'll just have you fill me up like twenty times.
0: Right. I kind of envisioned that you like dipping it into your big cup that you have right now. Scoop <laughs> and then out a little
1: shots of coffee. coffee.
0: Yeah. So um Derek and I went to Mexico. Our friends got married down there, and we did kind yeah. of like a late honeymoon since we hadn't done ours yet. Right. Which we're really coming up on our first anniversary, so it was more of like a early yeah. anniversary celebration. But it was the the best trip we've ever been on Like we lived in luxury for a week It was amazing
1: Yeah, you were saying that So
0: Yeah, it was so nice And when I was looking for a souvenir of what to get you uh, We were in the gift shop And I found this really like beautiful coffee cup A full size regular cup right? And it had, you know, this really intricate detailed artwork uh-huh. on it I picked it up, I was looking at it <laughs> What? Why are you already laughing?
1: <laughs> I feel like the story's gonna end in But I looked at it and it was way too expensive for no. you, so I got you the small one.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. This was a totally different, like, style. So I was looking at it, and then the uh, the worker that was in the store came over and was telling me about the heritage of it and, like, where it's made and how it's handmade and painted and all this history to it. And so she walked away, and there was a little, like, sign behind them with more information about the cups. So I was, picked up the sign, and I was reading it, and I get down to the bottom, and it said the glaze on the cup was made out of tin and lead.
1: Oh, uh, no way. <laughs> Yeah,
0: lead. And I was like, uh, well, we can't drink out of that. So I'd I put that one that, down. Yeah. And I found you that little safe how, one.
1: How much lead could you possibly have out of a coffee cup?
0: I mean, I don't think you should have any amount of lead ingested.
1: So Whatever. They used to eat lead paint all the time.
0: It didn't work out too well for them.
1: <laughs> uh, I guess we're going to learn about that because there's lead paint in the Lunatic Asylum. From what I remember, we went there years ago with my family nice and well not we i did with my oh, family yeah and they've got like lead paint so they're like oh, the tour guys made a joke they're like please don't eat the paint here <laughs> right because and i'm sitting there like why would you eat paint and they're like well because it's all lead and it's oh not been gosh. updated So
0: Whatever. but yeah mexico was amazing we were near cancun we were in uh, Playa Mujeres, I think is how you say it, uh-huh. right, by Cancun. It was so nice. Our friends Chris and Tiffany got married, and their wedding was beautiful, and um, one of the groomsmen, his name was Josh, shout out, uh, followed our podcast while Hold I was up. down there.
1: So, okay, the, the, where you were at, it was Playa Mujeres? Yeah. So, I'm a few years dis- disconnected from all of my Spanish that I took, but Mujeres means like old ladies, right? And then playa well, is I thought it
0: meant women.
1: Old women, yeah.
0: I don't think it means it's, old. I think it just oh, means women.
1: Not old, but like older. Not It's not a young woman. Well, it's there a, was
0: like a bathroom there, and on the sign it said Mujeres yeah. slash women. So I think it just means like...
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Lady beach.
0: Uh, basically, just Cancun, yeah. I guess. But it was so cool. And Josh followed our podcast and said he was going to listen to it.
1: Who's Josh. Again? one of the groomsmen oh hi josh
0: yeah that was pretty cool
1: yep um, you so i'm not going to mention their names but your friends got married
0: i just said and, their names oh can you please listen to me for once we're was, doing a podcast so listen your I, only job today is to listen to me talk that's all you have to do
1: <laughs> i so i i got you know the the video i sent you or Like the ADHD guy is like, here's the thing, and then goes off on a tangent. So for the last, like, I don't know, 18 words you said, I was trying to translate. (laughs) I
0: lost you right (laughs) there. Yeah. Yeah. I was
1: like, I'm pretty sure that's the word for like, like a, I don't know, like an older woman, like a, it's not a young woman. It's like a married woman or something. But yeah, I was, I was trying to translate because I was like. Does that mean Granny Beach or, or something? <laughs> that would be like Abuela. Oh, By, a, by Abuela, but. No, but that, um,
0: their names brings me to that funny story we were talking about earlier where at their wedding down there, they had the photo booth. Yeah. So I sent you the picture of the pictures Dirk and I did, and it had Chris and Tiffany on the yeah. photo. And you're like, that's not your name?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I thought, I forgot that you were going down there because you had said you were going down there for a wedding. Yeah. And I totally forgot. Probably wasn't listening in the first place.
0: Clearly. Honestly. But
1: I, I saw the picture that you sent and it was on those cards like you get out of like a picture booth or whatever. Yeah, a photo booth. And I said Tiffany and Christopher and I was like, are they using fake names while they're in Mexico? <laughs> our alias. And I was like, Cause that's really smart. That's what I would do. But And then I asked you in the text and you're like, well, those are our friends that are getting married. And I was like, yeah. I knew that. Yeah, hundred percent. I knew that.
0: This, but shout out to Chris and Tiffany. We're so happy for them. Their yeah. wedding was beautiful, and it was Man. so much fun. I'm really excited.
1: So people at the wedding follow the podcast, and then I've didn't know any other names. Like <laughs> You're just butchering this whole. Yeah, totally. Thing. Totally didn't even listen to like.
0: <laughs> no, but so, it was such an amazing trip. But it's always good to yeah. come home. So I'm glad to be back and get back in our routine. Yeah, but it was so awesome.
1: Congratulations to Tina and Charles for their Aww. marriage. And <laughs> try again. <laughs> huh?
0: Not Tina and Charles.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> Tiffany and Chris. Chris, buffer.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that was so fun. So I hope you like your little mini coffee cup.
1: Yeah, it's cool. It. I should translate this, but I'm not that good at Spanish. I don't. I'm, yeah. So far, I used to be really good. Remember when I used to be really good at Spanish? No. And I used to be really good. <laughs> the entire reason I took Spanish classes was because all of the foreign language classes were in the same, pretty much the same building, the same couple of buildings at WVU. And so I took all of the Spanish classes because that's where all the, that building was where all the Spanish girls hung out. And so I wanted to flirt with Spanish girls. Okay, we're moving on. It never worked (laughs) out for me, but I got really good in Spanish (laughs) there for a while. I was fluent.
0: yeah. Now you have still nothing to have, show for
1: it. Still didn't have any games, so <laughs> fine. It's...
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, this is unrelated, but I had one more story I wanted to tell at the start of this. Okay. So I went to the dentist the other day because I noticed on one of my, just like one tooth, my gum has gotten really low under it and everything, all my other teeth are fine. So I went and was just like, hey, what's up with this? Like, why is my gum receding on this one tooth? Yeah. And they're basically like uh, we don't know. Like your teeth are fine. Your gums are fine. That one's just disappearing. So they said, I would have to like go see this other special dentist. And if it gets worse, possibly get a gum graft and you can get a gum like graft from the roof of your mouth or cadaver gum. And that made me think of when we were talking about, I think the Gloria Ramirez episode getting like cadaver bones and stuff yeah. and we said ghost bones and yeah. i might have ghost mouth one day
1: you might Yeah. I, probably
0: not i'd probably use my own tissue but that's kind of scary
1: what kind of ghost do you think you would ha- have in your mouth like mm,
0: i don't know i don't want to be haunted
1: like like <laughs> an intelligent one that like talks for you that could be useful
0: i hope not that sounds like a possession
1: <laughs> could be useful if you had control over it. it wouldn't be useful if it was yeah you didn't but
0: I don't know. I'm probably just going to ignore that problem for a while, actually. I don't want to deal with it.
1: Yeah, that sounds... A gum graft sounds not like a f- like an easy or no, fun...
0: I read about recovery, it and really freaked so. myself out, honestly, because it looked right. actually awful. So I'll just wait till it gets worse and then deal with it, I guess. Yeah. And think about cadaver gum. Yeah. You- anyway. <laughs> Get myself nice and scared about it.
1: Yeah. So.
0: That's all from me. Uh do you have any shout outs or things you want to say before we start?
1: Yeah, so the, I just wanted to put it out there because we always we always end up saying it at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And after like all of our chit chat and stuff. And so I'm just going to put it out in front.
0: Finally. <laughs>
1: as, as soon as we cuz we always say we need to put it at the front. So get every time. If you like the show, you can leave us a review on whatever podcast platform Spotify or Audible or um, Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, leave us a five star review. That's like the quickest and easiest way that you can help us out because all the reviews tell those individual algorithms that people like us and then it would recommend us to other people to be played for them. That'd be really cool. And that would be good. (laughs) You know, it'd help us grow our audience a little bit better. So if you haven't already, do that. And that would please. help us out, please. <laughs> no. And thank Un, you. Unpleased. <laughs> forcing, this is me, forcing you over the microphone to do that. <laughs> and then the other thing is, uh, for all of our posts and stuff, if uh, if you wouldn't mind, the other easiest and freest way that you can support us is just to follow our social media pages on the, the Facebook and the Instagram at Country Roads Creeps and like all of our posts. So... And that also tells the Instagram and Facebook algorithms <laughs> that people like us, and that we should be recommended to other people. So if you like us and you hit the sh- the share buttons and stuff, then that super helps us out. Like,
0: and we would love it and yeah. love you.
1: So that's the, like the easiest way that anybody <laughs> could actually help us out. And I know there's been a couple of people like, well, ha- like other than listening, like what, mm-hmm. how, like how can I help out? That's how. So, the other thing is the back to school link that we shared the last episode mm-hmm. um it's still still good um and so I'm gonna put the link again in this episode uh in the description, and I'll put it for the uh what what's the post that we do the photo dump yeah, when the episode releases Thursdays. I'm out of whack today, you know <laughs> so anyway um. But I'm gonna put the link, and it's it's good to like I think like the end of, De- of not December September or something like that. So anything that you need for back to school wise, or for like for teachers, or for your students, office or
0: stuff if you need office it.
1: stuff, you can get uh, certain things. You can get a discount on, and you can also sort by like the subject, or if there's a certain specific things that you need, like backpacks or uh, books or whatever, you can sort by that stuff or. Um, like art supplies or whatever. And then also you can sort by grade level or like the the characters or whatever. So that you can sort by Superman if you Bluey. want.
0: Bluey.
1: Yeah, Bluey. <laughs> so, Love Bluey. So there's that. Um, What was the third thing? I told you there was a third uh, thing and I forgot. October. October. What are we doing in October, Hannah? Why don't you tell us?
0: Cryptid extravaganza.
1: We're doing a, wow. I just, I caught some of the chocolate in there. Oh, in your coffee? In my coffee, yeah. Nice. Usually I don't catch it. It's just a whisper. It's like you the drink essence it. essence of chocolate. Yeah, and then in my ear it's like, chalk.
0: <laughs> anyway, back to, back on track. I hope that shows up in the mic.
1: It's ASMR, but...
0: <laughs> Stop, we're not doing that. So anyway,
1: that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Crypto Extravaganza. So for the entire month of October, we're going to do one... An episode every week. Usually, we only post every other week. Mm-hmm. For October, for our Halloween Cryptid Extravaganza, we're doing one monster every week. So, are we going to say which ones we're doing? Did you write that down?
0: Um, I did.
1: Oh my gosh, you got to pull it up.
0: Yeah, let me uh, so get that document real quick.
1: <laughs> I know we're going to do Mothman. Yeah, I'm, and I know Mothman's
0: my favorite. I
1: know we're going to do the the Flatwoods, Flatwoods. Monster. And I know we're going to do Skinwalkers and Windigos and Yeah, I think Knot we're deer. combining.
0: Okay, I have it. So, we have Mothman and Flatwoods Monster. We'll be on one episode. I'll probably do Mothman. You'll do Flatwoods. Okay. Then next, the week after that, will be Sheep Squatch and the Grafton Monster. Yep. Week after that is Shadow People, which you're kind of taking the lead on. I don't really know much about that. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the Shadow the, People. It might be Strange Entities.
1: Black Eyed Kids. Yeah.
0: Yes. And then... The fourth week is not dear, Wendigos, Skinwalker type of deal. Yeah, and we were tossed out the idea of doing a Friday the Thirteenth special.
1: When's Friday the Thirteenth?
0: It is on Friday the Thirteenth
1: in October. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. the second. It's the second oh, Friday. Is
0: that? Yeah, like a mini sode, mini episode. Oh yeah.
1: Um, is that it? Wait, I thought so. I thought we were doing. I thought we were doing. I thought we were doing one monster. Are we doing two monsters every week? Yeah. Huh.
0: They're gonna be long episodes.
1: Maybe. Yeah. It's an extravaganza, though. So that's it's worth all it. subject
0: to change. This is not yeah. set in stone.
1: That's I our think, tentative plan. Yeah.
0: It'll be fun, though. I'm excited. Yep. October's so, our favorite. All right. Listen. I'm. We're getting into it.
1: I'm right. I'm right <laughs> listen, here. Okay.
0: Listening ears on.
1: I'm, I have to turn my listening ears on so I don't miss the, when we do the intro, so. Yeah.
0: Are they on? I, right here. Okay, great.
1: I'm all listening ears, not a single non-listening ear on me.
0: <laughs> the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, once a beautiful facility built with good intentions and the goal to help those that needed it, tragically became incredibly overpopulated and deteriorated into an environment of nightmares. Acts of evil were perpetrated against patients and staff alike, and these horrific events left a lasting impression in the building. Some say the tortured spirits still haunt the hospital today. This is
1: Country, Country Roads, Roads Creeps. Creeps.
0: Good listening. Thank you. Thank you. You gave
1: me the signal. I, was like,
0: <laughs> I did. I was afraid that you my, drifted off. You looked away and I got scared.
1: My screen dimmed and the, <laughs> the battery thing is dying, yeah, it, it so I'm like, I'm just going to close it. So.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Yep. So, we need like a like a bell or something, <laughs> I need like a laser pointer to yeah. get you
0: back over here. Okay, so our story today takes place in the town of Weston. This is in Lewis County, West Virginia. So to help place that, the middle of West Virginia is Braxton County. That's the home of the Flatwoods Monster that we're going to talk about. Yep. Lewis County is right above that. Uh huh. Okay. What?
1: I so <laughs> I remember seventh grade. This is like a random memory of mine. I okay. remember. So, 7th grade, we took, 7th or 8th grade, I think 7th grade, we took West Virginia history.
0: It was 8th grade for eighth me. 8th grade.
1: So maybe, never. I don't know.
0: It doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: we had to memorize all 55 counties in mm-hmm. West Virginia. And so, me and my friend, who I'm not going to mention um, the name of, is, we were going through, like, how are we going to remember all the counties. Mm-hmm. So, Raleigh County is easy because it looks like a rooster. And then uh, there's a few other ones, like, you just kind of have to, like, remember, like, what order they come in. Like, the Northern Panhandle, there's, like, three. Just remember which ones they come in. I just, Um,
0: remember when we did the Greenbrier Ghost? Yeah. Greenbrier County looks like a ghost.
1: Yeah. It it does. does.
0: Yep. Continue. Um,
1: (laughs) But Lewis County, we decided that Lewis County just looks like a guy with a mullet named Lewis. (laughs) So that's how we remembered the guy. That's
0: amazing. The
1: county that looks like it has a mullet is Lewis County.
0: I love that so, so much. Actually, everyone's
1: everyone's going to be pulling up their maps, like yeah,
0: Lewis County, real? Lewis yeah. County, West Virginia, so the middle of the state and up a little bit. Yep. All right. So before we really get into the Trans Allegheny, that I asylum, think about it.
1: That might be Tyler County. Well, that just
0: ruined the whole. Cut that out. I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway.
0: Okay. As mm-hmm. I was saying, before we get into it, we need to know some history first. Okay. Okay. Stop laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listening ears.
1: I have my listening ears, yep.
0: (laughs) All right. I don't want to do the podcast anymore today. (laughs) I'm over it, actually. I feel like I'm at work. This is exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. I'll wait until you're ready.
1: We're going to be here till midnight. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's going on today. No
0: more getting tattooed before the podcast. (laughs) All right. I'm just going to continue on, and either you're here or you're not. Yep. For the listeners, not Shane, <laughs> people that are listening to my story today, uh, we're starting back in the 1700s, okay? During this time period, people with mental illness were most commonly thought to be possessed. Like, there was no understanding of mental illness. Right. People thought you were possessed by witches or demons or the devil himself, And people that had mental illness were often just thrown in prison and treated horribly. So they would be chained up. They would be left, you know, without adequate heating or cooling, Mm -hmm. like no airflow, not getting enough food and water, just treated terribly. And if family members decided to help a mentally ill person instead of, like, letting them go to prison, they would just hide them away from everyone. You know, they would keep them walked in a back room or out in a, a shed building, sometimes like, like even in holes in the ground. Yeah. They were just very isolated. It was terrible. Some fili- some facilities for mentally ill people were constructed in the 1770s, but again, those were still made just to hide people and not help them. So it was a terrible time.
1: Just keep them away this. from society. Yeah,
0: very isolated, just kind of like hidden away. You didn't talk about it. You didn't want to see it. Yeah. Um. And at this time... People, you know, just referred to mental illness as insanity, and they believed it was incurable. So they just kind of gave up hope. Like, there was nothing they knew to do about it. This, thankfully, began to change in the 1800s. So as we move into that century, we have two important people in this history that I want to talk about. Um, During this time, there were some people that started to realize conditions for mentally ill people drastically needed to improve. And these efforts led to lawmakers having to allocate funds for appropriate care. So the major player that I want to talk about first is a woman named Dorothy Dix, D-I-X. And she was awesome. Super cool lady.
1: Love Dorothy Dix.
0: Dorothy Dix. She's so cool. She was a teacher, a nurse, and an advocate for helping mentally ill people. And she caused major social reform in the 1800s. She had a rough start, let me tell you. She was born in Maine in 1802. Her father was abusive and an alcoholic, and her mother was mentally unstable. So, rough home. She had two younger brothers that she ended up having to raise just because, like, her parents weren't taking care of any of them. So, you know, she is a child with two baby brothers, and she's taking care of them as the mother. She didn't get any formal education, but she was just very smart and naturally talented, and she opened a private school in Massachusetts when she was only 15 years old.
1: No kidding.
0: Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, so she didn't have any schooling herself, but just like figured things out, and when she was 15, she opened a private school, and she uh, taught girls there like herself that otherwise would not have had the opportunity for school. So that's pretty awesome.
1: Like girls who come from... Like, messed up homes or just yeah, girls and that, that like, don't have an education? or Both. Oh, okay. Girls
0: that just otherwise wouldn't have been able to get an education. Yep. She she brought them to her school and taught them when she was 15. Yep. Yeah. And then she opened another school in Massachusetts five years after that. And then we're going to move forward a little bit. In 1841, she visited a jail in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and saw the awful conditions there. Like, I was— uh. Mentioning earlier, mentally ill inmates were often chained naked to the walls without heat and just really horribly abused. So, Dorothy was naturally very upset over these conditions. And that's when she really began working for change. And she actually got the Massachusetts state legislature to improve the conditions in the jail. She got them to like take money and things about it. So, that was cool. Um, And that sparked her traveling to other states, and she actually ended up going to Europe and Asia and just kind of traveled all over doing similar oh, wow. work. So she was going to these jails, and she was exposing the bad conditions of uh, the way mentally ill people in jails were treated to the public and like showing them how awful it was and that it was such a problem because a lot of people didn't know. Um, and if they did know, they didn't care right, or didn't know what to do about it. And so she got governments to start to make change and improve the conditions in the jails. Yeah.
1: Does it mention like specific countries or just like?
0: Um, Not that I saw just states in the U S and places in Europe and Asia. She was traveling for most of her life. So her work, all that advocacy led to the first state hospital for the mentally ill to be opened in Trenton, New Jersey in 1848. So up to this point, they're mostly in jail and there were a few facilities that but were just made to like hide them away from society. Yeah. So her work led to the first actual hospital for mentally ill people being opened. So she, that, was, okay. that was huge. It was the second asylum built following plans created by Thomas Kirkbride. Remember that name because we're coming back to him.
1: Thomas Kirkbride. Yep. Okay.
0: Um, so I'll finish with Dorothy before I move over and talk about him. Her work was very demanding physically, mentally, emotionally, all of that, as you can imagine. She's traveling all over, seeing people treated horribly. That would take a toll on anybody. And later on in her life, she sadly ends up having numerous breakdowns, and she eventually admits herself to that same hospital in Trenton that she helped start.
1: Huh. Yep. That's interesting. So she ends
0: up going to be a patient there. Yeah. Uh, They give her a private apartment, and she lives there for six years before she dies in 1887.
1: How old was she when she died?
0: Well, she was born in 1802, I believe. So, 85? So,
1: yeah. That's a pretty long good. Yeah. yeah,
0: pretty good in the 1800s.
1: So, yeah. she, um, like yeah, she lives out the
0: rest of her life at the hospital in Trenton. But I wanted to talk about her to acknowledge all the hard work that she did for social reform. Yeah. Because, I mean, she was really the change in that century.
1: To yeah, well, she... get mentally
0: ill people tr- to be treated
1: yeah, better. Open the first place for mm-hmm. them right yeah. so how so did you does the pa does it ha, <laughs> oh, take a on. breath my
0: <laughs> take a breath
1: i don't have a sentence <laughs> do does it say did it say in your research what like what the conditions were like in her place or like what they did for the patients, or it was just a place, like the first place that actually took care of them for their problem?
0: That's a good question. Instead
1: of just locking them away.
0: Yeah, no, I'm going to get into that a little bit because we have to talk about Thomas Kirkbride. Okay, yeah. Because the the hospital that she went to was the second asylum built um, following Kirkbride's plans. So we're going to talk about him and what his plans were for like... Hospitals and stuff like that. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you it was much better (laughs) than the the jails and everything at the time. Right, okay. Okay, so, yeah, our next important figure in this history lesson is Thomas Kirkbride, so we're going to move on to him. He was um, close to Dorothy's age. He was born on July 31st, 1809, so five years after her—no, seven years after her—in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And his family was Quaker farmers, so— Pennsylvania had a lot of farmers at the time. Did
1: they, what, did they farm oats? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, is, like he the, oats. is he the guy on the box? <laughs> I
0: don't think so. Huh. But his father felt that he was too frail for farming and instead encouraged him to try for a medical career.
1: Man, imagine. imagine yeah, the pressure, like, like,
0: like You're too skinny to be a farmer here. you got to be a doctor. You're,
1: uh, <laughs> you know those Facebook, Facebook or Instagram reels? It's like the two blue collar guys that are talking. He's like, hey, "You're you're a sissy boy if your hands don't look like these when you're yeah. when you're eating." And it's like covered in mud, and he's yeah. holding a sandwich. It's like, "Yeah, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yep." So his father encourages him to go into medicine, and he uh, Thomas does get to go to school. Unlike Dorothy, he goes to like normal whatever school was available, right at the farmland in Pennsylvania. So at eighteen. He begins studying medicine under Dr. Nicholas Belleville in Trenton, New Jersey, and he gets his degree in medicine from the University of Pennsylvania in 1832. So he really wanted to be a surgeon, which at the time was like the biggest deal. That was the most lucrative position yeah. you could have in medicine.
1: We've mentioned that before and yeah. it's like this is not a good time to have a surgery done <laughs> no, at it's all. It's bad.
0: So, <laughs> it's just bad always. Yeah. Like but that's what he wanted to do. <laughs>
1: They didn't know that germs existed at this time, did they? Or, like, not really?
0: I don't know when so, that was figured out, to be honest.
1: So, they it was, like, a sign of a good surgeon if he had, like, a really bloody apron. Yeah. They're like, he's done a lot of these surgeries. He's really good.
0: Yeah. I don't know when that changed, but he wants to be a surgeon. Um, but he can't get residency at the Pennsylvania Hospital where he wanted to go in Philadelphia. He doesn't get offered a residency there. But Family Connections, like his Quaker family, helped him get residency at the Friends Asylum for the Insane in Frankfurt. So I don't know if you know a lot about like Quakers, but they refer to each other as friends and like, call other people friends. So that was the name of this asylum that he goes to work at, the Friends Asylum for the Insane.
1: Man, I'm a little too... Anti-social to be a Quaker, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't want I don't, friends.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be friends with right. you.
0: Right. <laughs> um, Frankfurt is a small town outside of Philadelphia, so he's not where he wants to be, but he's still close. He okay. got connections that helped him get in. So he accepts it because it's going to help him build his resume, help him get experience so that he could eventually get a spot at the Pennsylvania Hospital. And while he's at Friends Asylum, Kirkbride noted... What he called the moral treatment of the mentally ill patients. That was very different from the standard treatment at the time that Dorothy Dix was fighting against. Uh-huh. So the Quakers are doing things a little differently and treating them like, I don't know, people, like human beings, yeah. so not chaining them to walls.
1: He's a surgeon, though, right? So.
0: Well, he wants to be a surgeon. Okay. Right now he's like in doctor residency.
1: Okay. He's not a I surgeon was yet. Gonna wonder, like, what kind of surgeries are you doing at a.
0: Right, in no. In asylum, like, like the only, he, there's
1: only one I know of. He
0: didn't really have—he wasn't striving to work with mentally ill patients. This is just where he's ended up as a stepping stone for him to get back to Pennsylvania Hospital. He has to kind of fill his resume here. Okay. Um, but while he's there, like, he does a really good job working there. He notes that the friends created a family-like atmosphere. They have engaging activities for their patients. They're, like, doing things, men- mental activities, physical activities— Kirkbride took his work very seriously there, even though it wasn't his original plan. He still worked hard at it. He did a good job, but he still wants to be a surgeon. That's his ultimate goal. Right. Um, but he he does a good job at the Friends Asylum, and later on, he is eventually offered a residency at the Pennsylvania Hospital. This is in March eighteen thirty three, and he takes it, so he gets to go to where he originally wanted to be. So, um, he's reported to be outstanding with his work, and notably with the way he treated all his patients. And he grows his own private practice because people really like him. Like he yep. takes them seriously. He listens to them. He's kind, respectful. He's nice. Uh, I think
1: that has to do with what he saw happening at the. I do, yeah. I mental think health so. facility.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that really influenced the way he worked with his other patients because it was very different yeah. from what everybody else was
1: doing. And probably because his religion.
0: Yeah, probably. So. so his work is noticed by the hospital governors. I guess this would be like. Today, we usually have a board of governors, but he gets noticed right. by the big guys in the hospitals. And so in 1840, he's offered the position of superintendent at the newly built facility called the Pennsylvania Hospital for the Insane. Wow. So he's ending up going back to work with mentally ill patients. That was never his plan. It's just kind of worked right. out. And he, he takes it because it's another good step for his medical career, not necessarily out of interest, but out of, you know, like— rising in status he, to right. be the superintendent yeah. of a new hospital is a big deal. So he does take it. Um, and he stays there for the rest of his career. He works 43 more years in this position.
1: Oh, Need yep. of him. So how old was he when he died?
0: Uh,
1: I don't know. Oh, huh.
0: we're not there yet. We'll okay. get there. We'll have to do some quick math. Um, so he, during that time that he's working at the Pennsylvania hospital for the insane, he developed his theory on the moral treatment of mentally ill people and what he's really known for is the way he does he wanted to design the buildings he said they needed to be in a shallow v shape, and I'll probably get a picture of that and put it in the photo dump. Okay. So, but this was so that the rooms would all be like spread out enough that every room could have plenty of airflow and plenty of sunlight. There weren't going to yeah. be any like closed in or blocked in rooms. They would all right. be able to have this what he thought was a curative effect um and he also said the facilities like the hospital he was in, the Friends Asylum, needed to have activities for the patients that would be physically and mentally stimulating. There needed to be a family-like environment. And the facilities would be self-sustaining. So they would have their own resources. They would be able to grow their own food, like have their own water, just maintain themselves. So he, that's what he works on. That theory of the building being curative is discredited in the 20th century because we know it's not buildings that cure people. And that's what he really right. thought was that it was the building. It's more of the environment and the treatments and stuff. Yeah, but like, at the time, yeah, it's sunlight. still like so much better than what they were getting, right. which was like thrown in a hole and chained to a wall. So vast yeah. improvement from the 1700s into the 1800s.
1: Well, I guess it's it's one of the things of like, well, so number one, at least they're trying. Like even if yeah. it, even if it wasn't the,
0: it's like, it's so much well, better than what it was. The the building.
1: It's like. <laughs> right?
0: Well, it's better than a gel cell. It's way
1: better. Yeah. Especially like, they're like, well, this will let them, like all the rooms get enough sunlight. For sure. Way better than, first of all, sunlight's good for you, but also way better than just being locked in a hole somewhere. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Humongous
0: step in the right direction.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Yeah.
1: I think there was a thing that I remember from when I did the tour at the Mm Trans-Allegheny, going asylum, where they, they built it. Following, like, some guy's theory. Maybe it's the same guy. No, oh,
0: it is. Yeah, we're getting into that.
1: And they built it so that they, would, like, all the rooms would have, like, a certain amount of light or something yep, like that. Yep, that's exactly and, yeah, what this is.
0: Uh, yeah, so it comes to be known as the Kirkbride Plan. Okay. This d- this building design idea. And his plan is used, or was used, to build over 300 facilities throughout North America. He goes on to be a, become a founding member of the Association of Medical Superintendents of American Institutions of the Insane. Stupidly long um, organization name.
1: Say that four times (laughs) fast.
0: I'll say it one more time. Association of Medical Superintendents of American Institutions of the Insane. So he helps found that. He is president of that organization for eight years. He also published a text called, On the Construction, Organization, and General Arrangements of Hospitals for the Insane. And that is recognized as the definitive work on the subject, and Kirkbride is known as the leading expert in the field at that time. Right. So, obviously, things uh, changed, but he was, like, the lead dude for treating mentally ill patients at yeah. this time period. I have a question. Okay.
1: So, his plan for the buildings, it's not like he thought it was the building that was would cure people.
0: Yeah, if it was, like, building, open, airy sunlight yeah. and with, I guess— like, appropriate resources. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he was partly right, but we know now there's more that goes into it than just the yeah. building design. Well, I, was, I, I mean, was you do need openness and sunlight to, and air.
1: Yeah. So, is it, like, does that, is that, like, a major, probably is a major contributing factor to people getting at least a little bit better?
0: Yeah, because they're not um, in a jail cell change to a, a wall. Better.
1: Yeah, yeah so. for sure.
0: Um, I, when I said discredited, I just meant more they learned that it was more than just the building being right the there. cure. Okay. okay. Um, some other interesting facts about him that I just didn't know where else to put. They're just interesting. One of his patients attempted to assassinate him, but he survived.
1: Wow. And
0: then he <laughs> married one of his patients, and they raised a family together.
1: That seems...
0: A little wrong. Maybe. It's kind of frowned on today, frowned on. but...
1: Definitely today.
0: Yeah, doctors probably shouldn't date their patients, but... Mm. Different time period, I guess. They raised a family, so maybe I hope they were happy.
1: Yeah, I guess if it, um, if it worked out and the, and the kids were good, then yeah. not not bad.
0: There wasn't a lot of information, okay. but he died on December sixteenth, <laughs> eighteen eighty-three, in Philadelphia. <laughs> hope they were happy. I, he died. <laughs> like,
1: oh, if the kids were good, both of those ended up in an insane asylum later Aww. on. So,
0: <laughs> hope like,
1: not. Okay, maybe. That's where they get the theory that doctors shouldn't date their patients because your kids end up in, in oh asylum. Oh my gosh! So.
0: Okay, so all of that history leads us to the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Okay. the star of the show is this episode.
1: How many? You said th- he built three. the The plan was they. they so they. Man, wow! Breath, I'm take a breath. Having a time.
0: His plan was His used plan, to build over three hundred facilities in North America.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. How is that? Up to a certain point, or are they still building according to his plans? Kind of today.
0: Uh, they don't. I don't think people really use his plans anymore because it makes the buildings like so big and long. That's good. Like like stretched out wide more. Like seems more buildings are built up now. Tall.
1: Yeah, that's bad. Instead of I like a V.
0: Yeah, I mean it's they're they're very beautiful buildings. We'll have pictures on the photo dump. Yeah,
1: they're gorgeous. Um. Okay, so when. How, how many are, how many asylums are there at this point? Like when he. I don't know. Died. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. I, I always feel like I'm asking you questions that like.
0: Yeah. Like I feel like I do such thorough research and then you ask me such specific questions yeah. that I did not anticipate.
1: I'm going to stop. So That's okay. I'm going to ask can, you very you can general. can ask. I'm
0: just going to tell you, I don't know.
1: <laughs> like, <What? laughs> I don't know. How many windows exactly?
0: Right. How many stones did they have around the outside? Yeah. I don't know.
1: Who laid the first cornerstone (laughs) of the...
0: All right. So let's recap up to this point. We have Dorothy Dix, who did amazing, amazing work to help mentally ill patients. And then we (laughs) have Thomas Kirkbride, who was like the leading expert in the field at this time and whose design plan... (laughs)
1: <laughs> I hit the applause button. We don't have we headphones We don't have our today. headphones on, so I don't even know if it's good. Yay.
0: Hope it's over. All right. So we're moving on to the Trans-Allegheny Asylum. Yep. History of this building. It was constructed between 1851 and 1888. Took a little while because it was interrupted by this thing called the Civil War.
1: Yeah. You heard okay. of that, right? Didn't they use it a little bit during to house soldiers? Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I was just thinking about um, that. Got it, got yeah. interrupted by amputating people's legs.
0: No. Okay, this this story that I'm about to tell you involves the war. Oh, no. And I love this story so oh, okay. much. Good. I had not heard it until I was doing this research, and it's okay. so funny. Listen, it's as you. funny as a war story can be, okay? Okay. Okay, Ooh. so listen, just listen. All right. In 1861... The asylum is still in the earlier stages of being built. It's taking a while because it's huge. Okay, It's built by hand. So in June, Virginia seceded from the Union and all work that wasn't related to the war stopped. So they they paused working on the asylum. Things get crazy on June 30th, okay? Okay. At 5 a.m., the citizens of Weston are woken up by the marching of the 7th Ohio Infantry. They had marched all night from Clarksburg, which is about 25 miles north of Weston. The commander was Colonel Erastus Bernard Tyler, all right? And he's familiar with the area and the citizens that live there because before the war, he bought and sold furs all throughout Lewis County. So he knows the area. He knows the people that live there. They know him. So Tyler commands his troops to go through Weston and capture anybody that was suspected of being Confederate sympathizers. And while they're doing this, Captain List took two soldiers and went to complete the actual mission. Want to guess what their actual mission was?
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Is, can you give me a hint? Or do you want to just tell me?
0: I'll just tell you. Okay. They were there to rob a bank.
1: No way. <laughs>
0: yes, but it's like, it's like a Robin Hood situation, okay? So there you go. Uh, List and two oh, soldiers. <laughs> no, Hold just up. listen. Just <laughs> listen. Hold your questions. They go to the Western branch of the Exchange Bank of Virginia, which has $30,000 in gold. This was deposited by the state government of Virginia. Okay? Okay. That money was supposed to pay people that were building the asylum, but it's going to be returned to Richmond for the war efforts because they're seceding from the union. Right. So Virginia is going to take this money back out of the bank and use it for, no, stop. Don't say anything. Let's just listen. Okay. So list and his men are able to get away with $27,000 of it, which would be over half a million today. Nice. Okay. They take that money back to wheeling and use it to help fund what becomes the state of West Virginia. No way. Yay. Hit the applause button. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so, so they robbed the bank and took that money to Wheeling to keep it away from the Virginia government to help with West Virginia becoming yeah. our own state in the Union.
1: What a tale! Because I was Isn't so that confused
0: wild? <laughs>
1: because you said that they came from Clarksburg, so I'm like, well, then they're then they're a Union unit, right? And then, mm-hmm. but then you're they're robbing. The Bank for the Confederate money, so are they and then you said they're seceding because Virginia's seceding from the Union, yeah. so are they taking the Virginia money back <laughs> yeah. there and they're going to fight for Virginia? but then no, it turns out they're actually they're going to go fund to start West Virginia. Isn't
0: that a great story? So
1: because of those three guys, yeah, so huh.
0: And so lots of war stuff happens in that area, obviously. Lots more, like so much more that I didn't write down because so much is going on. But I just thought that story was so funny. And when they finish, I mean, that money is used to help, you know, build the new government of West Virginia. Right. But once it's all said and done at the end of the war, they also... Like, provide that money back to the people that were still there that worked on the asylum and use the money to help finish the building.
1: So, they, so they, it was used
0: for good. <laughs>
1: paid the people back? Yeah. Okay.
0: Isn't that awesome? That's pretty good. I thought that pretty was good. so funny when yeah, I read that.
1: That's really good.
0: I don't know how I'd never heard that story before. Or maybe I had and just didn't retain it, but
1: I've never heard of that. It's yeah. amazing. That's Love really it. good.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, uh, the war ends. They end up finishing the building eventually. I also didn't know this. It is the largest hand-cut stone masonry building in North America.
1: Who cut the stones, Hannah? Uh, Who,
0: what's prisoners, what's and what's then his name? later, <laughs> no. Okay, so it was built using prison labor at the start, but later there were skilled stonemasons from Germany and Ireland that were brought in to work on it. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's. It's actually the second largest in the world. The only bigger one is the Kremlin in Moscow, Russia.
1: And it's way prettier, honestly.
0: Yeah, but isn't that cool? Yeah, like we have the second largest hand cut stone masonry building in the world.
1: You know what's funny? We got a lot of the second largest nowadays because we got the second largest hand cut masonry, and then we have now the New River Gorge's second largest uh, single arch bridge. bridge. Yeah.
0: What's the biggest one?
1: Um China built one, I think that beat it.
0: Freaking China!
1: Yeah, and I I Ew. feel like they did it. I feel like they did it just to. They're like those. That,
0: that's so lame. Yeah, the we don't have the boo button on this one.
1: Oh, do we not? That's no, bad. One. That's okay. I can I can hit uh, brass. That's sad. <laughs> All right, I mean, okay. Maybe.
0: I'm getting back to the story. It was the art, the building, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was designed by architect Richard Andrews, who is a big deal, famous guy, built lots of stuff, following the Kirkbride plan. Okay. Uh, Let's see, I said it was built using prison labor and then skilled stonemasons, Germany and Ireland. It has a capacity of 250 people. Remember that. Say it back to me so I know you're listening.
1: 350 people. That doesn't sound like as much as
0: I Uh, thought. It's not. I've,
1: are you about to tell me that they actually held a lot more? Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Yeah.
0: So it's built with a max capacity of 250. It, before, it's, before it even opens, the name is changed to the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane because West Virginia became a state. Right. So that, it was given that name in 1863. The hospital opened with its first patients in 1864, even though construction was still happening until 88. But they had enough built yep. to let people start coming. It had a farm, it had a dairy, a water system, a cemetery, a gas well is added in nineteen oh two. So okay. the facility's pretty self sufficient at the start. Okay. Dun dun dun.
1: What's a dairy?
0: Um, I assume they had like cows and they made milk and stuff and butter. I don't know.
1: Huh? What? I I think a dairy, isn't that spelled? How is that spelled? Is it D E R R Y?
0: No, that's the the fake town in Maine from it from Stephen King's stuff. Huh? D A I R Y is dairy, like the dairy they, aisle in the Christmas store. A,
1: that's what they had a dairy. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. They had. Yeah. They made milk.
0: Hmm. They like grew their food.
1: Probably cheese too. Mm-hmm. Probably some half and half. Probably. That they put in their coffee.
0: No, probably not.
1: Oh. Do you think they had a frother that they could frother with? (laughs) I I don't think so. Oh.
0: Okay, you want to hear a creepy fact?
1: No. Skip it.
0: Assuming this is true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. No, I don't. don't. Skip to the happy part.
0: (laughs) Assuming this is true. I read it in a couple places, but it could be a little sensationalized. Um, Apparently, the property was 666 acres.
1: Wow. Weird, right? Sure.
0: Um, the name is changed to Weston State Hospital in 1913. Okay. So I'll just probably call it Weston for a little while. So remember the capacity I told you? How many people could it hold?
1: 250.
0: Mm-hmm. By the 1950s, it was holding over 2,400 patients.
1: Almost 10 times what its capacity is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that's Reflect
0: a. Reflect on what that like would a, feel like on the inside.
1: Somebody needs to call a fire marshal.
0: No joke. Yep. All right. More on why it got so overpopulated later. We're going to circle back to that. Okay. I want to finish the history of the building first before I talk about the actual conditions in the building.
1: How did they do that?
0: We'll get, that. We'll okay. get there. Okay. Uh, in February 1986, West Virginia Governor Archmore announced plans to build a new psychiatric facility somewhere else in the state, and he wanted to turn Weston State Hospital into a prison. That didn't end up happening because some, yeah, some part of it they— It was determined to be unconstitutional. Right. I get confused about stuff like that, so I don't know why, but it didn't happen. They were like, no, not a good idea. We're not doing it. So it uh, is designated a National Historical Landmark in 1990, and ultimately, the William R. Sharp Jr. Hospital was built in Weston, and then the old asylum was closed in 1994. The closure happened because of a court order, and family members of patients filed a class action lawsuit, Why did they do that? You might ask. We're going to get into it.
1: Why did they file a court a court order? Mm -hmm. Why did they do that? I'm asking.
0: Horrible reasons, horrible things. Okay. So, uh, for our listeners, I'm going to insert a warning here that I'm about to talk about the conditions inside Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum Uh and the treatment of patients, and it is so upsetting. So, if you are sensitive, you know to that kind of stuff you might just want to take the history and stop listening here. It's very sad and horrible. So okay. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there so you can make your decision for yourself. All right. So the reason it got so ridiculously overcrowded is because patients were admitted for absolutely ludicrous reasons and should never oh, have been yeah. there in the first place. Like
1: my wife doesn't listen. No, literally. And she makes the eggs too runny and I'm Gonna, she's insane if she like, thinks I'm gonna eat a runny egg.
0: Not even joking, that's people were dropped off for things like that. Yeah. And, and less, I found a list of like admission records of why people were taken here and left here. Some people ha- were epileptic, they were drug addicts, alcoholics. Some people were there because they had asthma, okay. they had tuberculosis. tuberculosis patients. But then, oh, yeah, even, even dumber reasons. Like some women were dropped off by their husbands just because they didn't want to deal with their wife anymore, or they wanted to like have an affair and not have a wife around. They could could admit their wives for absolutely no reason, and they would just be held there against their will.
1: Listen up, Melinda. Keep running your mouth.
0: Melinda, I'm going to (laughs) punch him in the face for you. Don't you worry about it. As soon as we stop recording, I'll, I'll handle that one for you.
1: I told you she was giving me so much attitude about my shaking leg.
0: Yeah, as she should. So she needs to
1: gonna <laughs> put her in, a, in an asylum. Oh my gosh. So the um the reasons like the like alcoholism or drug addiction or something, I guess a mental health facility could help with that.
0: Maybe, but, but at this time that wasn't like the really. place. No. Yeah. And asthma. And what I saw one of the reasons was reading too many novels. Like somebody got put in the asylum for you're that. You're gonna go. I know. I was like You're that-
1: gonna go. You know, I don't read any books. I'm never going to go to an asylum. Mm-hmm.
0: But there was just, like, stupid reasons why people were there. Um, <laughs> children were dropped off there, like orphans, were taken here instead of an orphanage. Yeah, if if women just... gave birth in the, the asylum, their children stayed there with them, even if they were yeah. healthy. Like, there were just so many people there that should not have been there.
1: Um, it, it reminds me of, like, the witch trials where it's like, she... She knows way too much about how to cure an infection with leaves. She's a witch, yeah. And now it's like she reads. She knows how to read, so she's going to the asylum.
0: And a lot of these asylums at the time would offer money to people that dropped people off.
1: No way. Mm
0: -hmm. You'd get like twenty five dollars for bringing somebody there.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. Um. So fifty bucks.
0: Obviously, this led to that massive overcrowding. So. This place started off pretty decent, you know? It was only meant for 250 people. It was spacious. There was room. There were programs. It was a beautiful building. It started off as a good place to go. But when you have, like you said, 10 times the amount of people in the building that are supposed to be there, like, obviously it's going to go horribly wrong. So, I mean, there weren't enough staff. There wasn't enough room. It led to filthy conditions like mold, just dirt, paint peeling off the walls because there was no maintenance or upkeep because there wasn't room to do anything. There was lack of light. It wasn't adequate. There was no lighting. There wasn't enough heat when it was cold. Definitely not enough airflow, way too many people in the building and things reverted back to like 1700s treatment. And this is where it gets really awful. Okay. Okay. So we're about to, this is going to get bummed out for the rest of the story.
1: Okay, good.
0: Um, Patients that were difficult to manage were locked in cages for long periods of time just by themselves, like for days. They would be locked up alone. Sometimes they would be chained up with, like their arm would be chained to one wall and their other arm chained to the opposite wall. So they have to stand like a T for days. And there would be a hole under them for the bathroom. And they would just be left alone until somebody felt like taking them out. That's crazy. Um, There wasn't enough furniture, so people were sleeping on floors, sharing beds, just wherever they could find, I guess. Uh, Some patients started fires, and one wing of the hospital was actually destroyed in a fire, had to be rebuilt. They were attacking each other. They were attacking staff members. One nurse went missing and was found two months later at the bottom of an unused staircase, decomposing.
1: Wow. Yeah. And so and they couldn't even smell her because it probably smelled so bad. Mm,
0: it was disgusting in there. Um, this is a horrible story of patients being violent to each other. Two patients tried to hang another man, and when this did not work, they held him and put his head underneath the metal bed frame in the room, and one of them jumped on the bed frame until it crushed the man's head underneath it.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: There was another man that was stabbed by a patient and tried to crawl to one of the nurses' desks for help, but died before he was able to get to the desk. So he was just, like, in the floor with no assistance.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: There were—so that was, like, patient-on-patient violence, but there were also just unbelievably awful treatments that the staff did to the patients, which we've all heard and we all know about, but it's still awful yeah. to read every time. So some of those treatments included electric shock therapy, ice baths, solitary confinement. They would inject people with too much insulin and put them into comas so they didn't have to deal with them.
1: Wow. They would Do they die if they go into it? A- uh,
0: eventually, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's no good.
0: Yeah. And they also use this drug... Called. Oh, I'm gonna pull an episode one. Trying to pronounce this. Oh, no. Chlorpromazine. Okay. Also known as Thorazine, Thorazine. Thorazine, yeah. Thorazine, and that was used to keep patients in a catatonic state.
1: Yeah. Don't they still use Thorazine?
0: Uh, probably appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> probably not to just drug people so you don't have to deal with them. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it has a legitimate use. So, then we get to one of the worst things I've ever read.
1: Oh, geez. This okay. is
0: called the West Virginia Lobotomy
1: Project. Oh, I was going to ask you about lobotomies.
0: In the 1950s. Absolutely horrendous. Yep. Okay.
1: So, this is a, uh, like one flew over the cuckoo's nest Gini- kind of stuff. Like,
0: actually makes me sick yeah. thinking about this and telling you about this. I'm unwell. So quick history on this. In 1935, there was a Portuguese neurologist named Egan Moniz. Sorry for mispronouncing that. He pioneered the leucotomy is what it was first called. Right. So in case anyone doesn't know, it was a surgery designed to stop anxiety or other mood disturbances in patients that weren't helped by other treatments. Get me with it. Uh, the following year, American Shane, oh <laughs>
1: No. A little bit of a late reaction. Yeah,
0: because who says that? Oh, my gosh. So, in 1936, American neurologist Walter Freeman and surgeon James Watts begin using this procedure in the U.S., and that's where it's renamed the lobotomy. So, same thing, just different names. These dudes, these two guys performed hundreds over the next decade. Hundreds of lobotomies, if not in the thousands, actually.
1: I was going to say... Hundreds. Yeah. Doesn't seem like that. Probably many. thousands. Just those two guys did them? Or, yeah. So,
0: well, these guys alone did hundreds, hundreds okay. if not thousands, but other people were doing them too. Gotcha. Because Freeman taught other people how to do it. I'm going to talk about that in a sec. Nice. So, Freeman was using the transorbital lobotomy in 1946. Horrible description incoming. This okay. involves putting a tool into someone's eye socket under the upper eyelid hitting it with a hammer to get it into the brain cavity and yep. then moving it around to sever the connections in the brain. So that the was called
1: lobe there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was referred to as the ice pick lobotomy because yep. the tool looked like an ice pick.
1: So Disgusting. I want to interrupt.
0: Okay. Please do because I need a break. Talking so
1: about you. if, if you haven't ever watched or read the book, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, which you should, cause it's a classic and it stars Jack Nicholson um, in the movie, not the book. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so he, it's a, it's a very, very good movie. First of all, uh, I faked reading the book for an English class in high school Fair enough. and I just watched the movie and gave my report on the movie and I got an A. So yeah, m- pretty similar, I guess. But anyway, uh, the movie is very good. There was also, uh, they, so they do some lobotomies in that one. Yeah. Um, and actually Jack Nicholson fakes getting a lobotomy. Mm-hmm. So um that's kind of a spoiler. But anyway, it <laughs> doesn't matter. The movie's from the 80s. Yeah. So anyway. And then the other thing is there was a Netflix show that I watched, and I can't remember what it is, but there was a lady who was a nurse at Was it a, Nurse Ratchet? Nurse Ratchet. I yeah. watched that, yeah. And she oh, that's the that's lady show. That's the nurse from the oh. one flew over the cuckoo's nest is nurse nurse Ratchet. Who, oh yeah. And so this is her. Pre story, right? Her prelude to before when Jack she met Jack Nicholson,
0: Mm. and
1: uh, it's a very, very good show. And uh, they go into upsetting,
0: but it is a good show, yeah.
1: And they go into a lot of stuff on the lobotomies and Mm -hmm. what they did to mental patients and how she ended up being so cruel Mm. as she was in uh, how mean she was to um, Jack Nicholson and uh, Chief and all the other people in the movie, so.
0: I was thinking about that show a lot while I was reading this because it was upsetting.
1: Very, 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 very good. Yeah. Everyone should watch it. Mm -hmm.
0: So So, um, back to Freeman. He supported the transorbital lobotomy, the ice pick lobotomy technique, because he said it was quick and easy and did not require a surgeon. Basically, anyone could do it. (laughs) He taught other people how to do it. He taught like non-surgeon medical people, like just doctors and physicians. He taught them how to do it because you didn't need an operating room. Just- do it wherever you feel like doing it. I guess get a nice pick. He would charge people twenty five dollars to come watch him do it, and he would do it like a show. He no would invite kidding. people in to watch him do lobotomies for How much entertainment.
1: Is twenty five dollars to today's money? I don't know, Shane.
0: You it, know, I don't know the answer to that. I was just thinking, like,
1: <laughs> I don't know, could we charge like two hundred dollars or something oh to do lobotomies uh, in front of people?
0: Uh, that seems a little low.
1: Let us let us know in the comments of our Facebook post if you would like to be interested do in the, a live don't, show. Nobody of say us doing anything lobotomies. about
0: that. Don't mention it Amen. ever again. Thank you. So the West Virginia Lobotomy Project, uh, in the 50s, this was an effort of the state and Walter Freeman to use lobotomies to reduce the number of patients in facilities as a response to all the overcrowding problems. They're like, okay. We can do this, we'll cure them, 'em, we'll treat them, and they can get out is the <laughs> overarching Uh-oh. idea.
1: You just yeah. turn people into zombies. Literally. And they're like, see, he's not and out anymore. He's it's fine. Like he he Take him home. Anyway. Get him out of
0: here. Yeah, he doesn't okay. do anything now. Sad. So these the lobotomies were performed at the four state mental hospitals of the time. So there was Huntington, Spencer, Lakin, and Weston. And they're doing them at all four. Uh, okay. By 1955, around 900 people had been lobotomized Most of who didn't, did not, or could not consent to this, you didn't really get a choice. If they wanted to do it, they were going to do it to you. And as we all know, those who didn't die from the procedure were left in terrible physical states. Just couldn't do anything.
1: Yeah. You just, I wonder how, I don't know, this is sad to think about, but I wonder how conscious you are at that point. Like, you can't really.
0: I don't know. Just, that's so depressing. can't really do anything,
1: but like. Are you aware that you can't, or is it? I don't know. Because that's a terrifying thought. That's like, worse, yeah. You're stuck in your brain.
0: Have you heard of locked-in syndrome?
1: Is that where they put you under an anesthesia and you are aware?
0: No. that That's also horrible when you like yeah. are awake in surgery, but they don't know you're awake. Locked-in syndrome is when you like wake up from a coma or something, and you're conscious in your brain, but you can't make your body do anything. Oh, no. Yeah, that's a nightmare scenario.
1: Yeah, so that's I guess kind of what more closer to what I was thinking is that like are you
0: mm-hmm.
1: you can like, like walk around and stuff, but you can't really
0: Yeah yeah
1: act anything or like but are you fully conscious or are you just not If aware you have at a lobotomy? All? Yeah. I don't know. That's
0: hope I never find out. <laughs> yeah. Awful. Um, so the lobotomies, all of the Inhumane treatments, the filthy living conditions, contributed to a ton of deaths. And so, a man named Titus Swan—this is like present day, currently—a man named Titus Swan. He's the Western State Hospital expert and historian. He says it's very difficult to know an exact number of how many people died because of the way that the asylum was. But he,
1: yep. the records, estimates it to at least
0: be a five-figure number. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So many people were like, they would come in, they would die, they would bring more people in. And they were just like buried in unmarked graves at the cemetery. If anything was on their tombstone, it was just their patient ID number. Like their names weren't even on them.
1: That's terrible.
0: Awful. Yep. So they don't even know what happened to a lot of these people. Because a lot of times their families didn't care about them. They just dropped them off. So when they died, no one would come back to get them. And they would just bury them on the property unmarked or marked with their patient number.
1: That's really sad.
0: It is horrible. It's so sad. Tons of people. So, after it's closed in 1994, because uh, there were eventually investigations done into it that was like, this is unbelievable. Like, you can't do this. It's closed. It sets empty for a while. Um, in 1999, all four floors were damaged by off-duty cops playing paintball inside the building.
1: Oh, cool.
0: Yeah. Three of them were dismissed,
1: but... Three of them? Yeah. (laughs) That's good.
0: Yeah. The property is later auctioned by the West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources, and it's bought by a man named Joe Jordan on August 29th, 2007, for $1.5 million. And so Jordan is still the one that owns it now, or like his family unit, I guess. And after he buys it, the name is changed back to the original Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. That's good. So that's what it's called now. That's yeah. what everybody refers to. It as uh, Jordan has turned the building into a tourist attraction and offers tours. And the money that he gets, or that his company, organization, whoever gets from those tours, is used to repair and restore the facility because it, like, it was in horrible shape. Yeah. A lot of it still is, but he's using the money he gets from the tours to repair it and right. keep it. in like you know, because yeah. it's a historical
1: landmark. So now. when I went years, I mean, it must have been fifteen or sixteen years ago or even mm-hmm. longer maybe. Yeah. Um the uh there were some places where like they they're like, so here's the tour route. Yeah. You can we will let you know which rooms you're allowed to go in. Mm-hmm. Some of the rooms we have taped off, but please, first of all, don't go in the rooms that are taped off. But yeah. please do not go in a room where it's not taped off and we don't tell you that you can because you might just fall through the floor. Yeah. So
0: And like some of the parts of it that, that you can't get to still have asbestos in them and like things like that that they're working on getting no, no, all no, no, that no. out <laughs> 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 and repairing all that. Um and if you go, they they do different types of tours. They have just purely historic tours where uh-huh. they tell you basically all the stuff that I've told you. Yep. They also do paranormal tours, which leads me into the next part of my yeah. story. Okay.
1: Good. So The ghosts.
0: Now we're getting into the ghosts.
1: Trans-Allegheny Ghost Asylum. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Anytime you have a place, as we're discovering in our podcast, where atrocities have happened, there's ghosts.
1: Yeah. You know what is, like, the worst part is that it's not even just, like, bad deaths here. It's like, so the Civil War came through here. Oh, yeah. And then there's, like... There's mental health patients, and some of them murdered each other. Mm-hmm. Some of them were murdered by their caretakers. Mm-hmm. There were people that just died because of the terrible conditions.
0: Yeah, I mean, like that, that one nurse patients that patients were stored yeah.
1: there. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say stored. They were held <sighs> there. Yeah. Cared for. They weren't really cared for. They weren't for.
0: really cared for. Maybe, really maybe cared early on they were cared for, I guess, but, but not they, in the later parts.
1: Um, But yeah, so the people died from tuberculosis. So now you've got like... Just stacks, like, multiple tragedies on top of one another. So
0: Horrible history and evil history. I mean, like, there is evilness there of the way people were treated. So, if you go there, they have some of their more, like, I was going to say famous ghosts, but just more well-known ghosts that are there a lot, apparently. You can believe what you want. But one of them is a little girl named Lily. Who is believed to um, have been born in the hospital and spent her entire life there? because like I said earlier, you know yeah. if women had their children there, the children lived there too. She died of pneumonia at age nine, so she is reported to be seen rolling balls near her room and heard laughing a lot like she's according to you know reports a very active ghost at the asylum okay. so she, there's lots of stories about Lily, another one that a lot of people encounter is dean and this is the man who was killed with the bed frame that they jumped on his head right. he's sometimes seen in the room where he died and is sometimes heard crying in there and that breaks my heart that's sad that makes me really sad in, yeah.
1: being a ghost and you are just sad all the time know,
0: that makes me want to cry right now actually oh. um there's also uh, one named ruth she was a patient that hated men and will like throw objects at men that go on the tour You know what? Good. Yeah. As she should. Um, (laughs) A lot of people report hearing screaming. Very sad. uh, Doors slamming, disembodied voices, crying, banging on walls, breaking glass, and they will report seeing orbs that we talked about before and also objects just moving on their own for no apparent reason. Kind of like the stories from Lake Shawnee. Yeah, I read one story about this girl. Um, she was on a tour with some people and a woman on the tour had brought a flashlight in with her, like a personal one. Right. And they were talking to like asking a ghost, like, Oh, if you're in this room, turn the flashlight on. And it, they had set it in the middle of the floor alone and the flashlight did turn on. And they were like, Ooh, cool. okay, turned it off. And then it, it turned itself off. So, I mean, you can believe that if you want you know
1: whatever, but it's weird. I know there's some science on the flashlight stuff mm-hmm. that people have done with ghosts, but it's not, I just, some of them are, some of them are like, okay, yeah, you screw the, you turn it on yeah. and you unscrew it and then you screw it just barely. Mm-hmm. And so it might like kind of flicker. But then some of the videos I've seen of that, or some of the, some of the stories that I've seen are like, no, it does it. it won't do it until you ask right. it a question. And right. then, so it's like, what? Wh- yeah. that's, Cl- like, clearly mm. not just the, the flashlight flickering, whether or not right. it's a, sp- like, spirit or whatever.
0: So, like, those stories that I'll just mentioned, um are weird, are scary to me. We've talked before how, like, I don't really think that ghosts are the actual person, but I do yeah. think there's, like, some evilness that s- stays in a place where evil happened. Yeah. But this next story I'm about to tell you— Um, I mean, like, the flashlight's kind of like, take it or leave it. Yeah, maybe it turned on, maybe it didn't, whatever. But this story I'm about to tell you is weird, okay? Okay. It it makes you think a little bit more about, like, what's really going on here. Yep. So, um, Rebecca Jordan is a family member of the Jordan that bought the property. I don't know the connection, but they're somehow related. And she, you know, (laughs) works there doing the tours and stuff. So, I read an article where... What are you laughing at? It's just... (laughs)
1: <laughs> Rebecca Jordan is a relative of Jim Jordan, the guy that Joe Jordan. Joe Jordan.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, like, I don't know if it's like his sister, or his daughter. I yeah, didn't. Okay. I didn't read that. I, I don't know the connection. No,
1: the the first thing that popped into my head was like, you were like, I don't know the connection, and I was like, it's probably their last name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sick of I, you, honestly.
1: I, I was just <laughs> that. <laughs> that for whatever reason, it just struck me to be so cantankerous <laughs> about it.
0: Oh I my just, gosh. I, whatever okay listen you're gonna like this she um was doing an interview and she was talking about this ghost named jacob who was first heard from on an episode of ghost hunters they go in and they have all their equipment and they have a conversation with this supposed ghost named jacob okay and on that episode the ghost hunter spoke to him and jacob said that he was looking for his beer Supposedly. I haven't watched okay. the episode, but I read this. Okay. Three years after that happened, Rebecca is given a gift by someone that includes records of patient intake forms from 1890 to 1892. So I guess, I guess someone came across this and gave it to her because they have a okay. museum there. Yeah. One of the forms is for Jacob Ayers, and the admission information said he was an alcoholic who was delusional and thought everyone was hiding his beer. No Way. Way. Isn't that weird?
1: Wow! Yeah, Three years
0: weird. after that ghost hunter episode, yeah, they find a form that matches the the per, whatever they were talking to.
1: Yeah, weird
0: stuff. Weird stuff.
1: That's wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. So those are some yeah. of the ghost stories. Um, Rebecca has also talked about how she has felt like someone has grabbed her shoulders before when she's okay. walking through there, but nobody's been there. Um. And people that go on the tours will often leave like cigarettes, mints, gum, and candy out for the ghosts, and those items will disappear or they'll move and be interacted with. Okay, so that's kind of
1: weird too. I just think of like the rats there, like eating the candy yeah,
0: and, smoking, and also the cigarettes. smoking the cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, if you, if anybody wants to know more about the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum or look at their tours or whatever. You can go to trans-alleghenylunaticasylum.com. And once you get on their website, uh, they have you know links with all their history. And That's where I got a lot of the information about Dorothy Dix and the Kirk Bride Plan and that Civil War story because I didn't know any of that at all. They have um, different information about their tours. Like I said, there are several different types of tours you can go on. There's different versions of the historic or the paranormal or kind of blends of both and different links. Uh, the prices vary greatly, depending on what type of tour you want to go on. So I think they start at, like, yeah. they start pretty cheap, and they can go up yeah. to quite yeah. expensive, depending on what you want to do.
1: Not very much if you just want to go, like, look at the yeah. place, and they'll tell you the stories of... Mm-hmm. I think they they don't really cover, like, the paranormal stuff too much, but it's like, yeah, this is... So we have... We're known yeah. for being haunted, and here's some of the stories, but then... They have the one. Where you have you can, to like, like
0: specifically book a paranormal tour yeah. if you want to get scared about it. But they
1: start. Do you like, like the overnight ones, right?
0: Yeah. the The first floor tour, the forty five minute one, is only ten dollars. But you can do a big like five hour over at night tour. That's one hundred and twenty five dollars.
1: That's not bad.
0: No, it's not. But just, just depending on what that. you want, I don't know. I don't want to get possessed by an evil ghost thingy. I don't feel like it's scary. I'll know. go during the day with you. I don't want to go at night.
1: No, thanks. I would, I would bang on the walls just to mess with you. I'm
0: good. Um, but they have like different events, special events that they do outside of their regular tours. So you can learn all about that on their website. They have like haunted house flashlight tours, a fall festival, um, the asylum ball. That sounds kind of cool. And then they have a shop too. Now, before we finish and move on, Oh, I closed out my notes. Oh, okay, no, I got it, I got oh it back, I got no. it back. There was an extra insane story that I mm. found that didn't fit anywhere yeah, else and, in this, so I just okay. put it at the end, okay? This is so dumb Bonus and story. weird.
1: Bonus story with hand. Yeah,
0: right. There's a town close to Weston called Philippi. Yeah. It's small. They have an attraction called The Two Mummies of the Insane. Super problematic, but... That's what they call it.
1: Two mummies of the insane. So,
0: what this is, a man named Graham Hammock, back in the day, created his own version of, like, the embalming process. And he tested on two patients from Weston that had died from the Weston Hospital. Right. It worked. And their mummified bodies were passed around to be viewed, like, as a a circus attraction. They These mummies i guess is what they're being referred to as even made it to europe as like part of a circus wow tour. they find their way back and they ended up in the bathroom of the barber county historical museum where they remain to this day and can be viewed for one dollar
1: say what you can pay a dollar to see a mummy Two mummies. Mm-hmm. That's fifty cents each. From That's not a bad deal.
0: Patients from the Weston Hospital. That's a good deal. That is so wrong on so many levels.
1: That's a steal, though. These I mean,
0: these poor patients who might not have even needed to be there in the first place died, got embalmed, got passed literally around the world as a circus attraction, and they are now in the bathroom of the Barber County Historical Museum, where you can see them for a dollar. Just huh. The worst series of events.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. Yep. I don't, I forget what I said about that being a deal. That's not good. <laughs> Awful. Okay.
0: Um. The still, end. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that was that's it? An, an, a doozy of a story. That was intense.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep.
0: Any yep. comments?
1: I no, but <laughs> it's just, like, I will say, so I that. remember, I don't know if they still have it. But there was, when I went through the tour, we went, like, a day tour or whatever, way back. Um, and they had, they have, like, a bulletin board there that was, it had, like, celebrities who are suspected to have mental disorders. Mm-hmm. And it's people like Ozzy Osbourne, Marilyn Manson, yeah. Alice Cooper. It's like, okay, you don't think, like, all the rock stars mm-hmm. that have, like, done drugs most of their career. and Yeah. They, or, like, do, like, the big shock rock thing, and then it's also people like Oprah Winfrey and, like, um Howie Mandel, and it's, like, okay, well, they got, like, mental disorders, but Howie Mandel's, like, a germaphobe or something, right? And
0: Yeah, I think he has, like, is it OCD? It's, like, is I'm, it classified as that?
1: I wanted to say that, but I'm not sure if it's classified as, like, that, or if he's just, like, kind of... Like, dermaphobic by itself. I'm not sure, but...
0: I read that he got, like, really sick as a child, and that's what started it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's, like, they had, like, all that stuff, and it's, like, here's celebrities that might have mental disorders, and it's, like... uh, They put, like, Britney Spears there, too, with, like, the picture of, like, her shaved head. It's, like... oh, that's so sad. That's, like, no good. She was horrible. It might not have been her shaved head, but it It, was... That's what I imagined. If
0: they've got these two mummies in a bathroom, it probably was.
1: Well, that's a different place, right? (laughs) So...
0: Yeah. Close but, by though, sad um, stuff.
1: But yeah, so I I remember the story about the girl rolling the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I so it's weird because I've been on a few like paranormal tours of mm-hmm. things. I've never really experienced anything. Yeah, I've never been on a tour where somebody experienced something. Yeah, like I. So I don't know, mm-hmm. but it always feels like like every time that you go to one of these places they're like yeah we've had people that have weird experiences so keep an eye out let us know if something pulls your hair or something or like
0: and it doesn't ever happen see something,
1: and then it never happens so it's like are are they just saying it to yeah. boost the tours or is it
0: I don't want anything to happen to me personally i'm good me neither I'll but i'm just saying like others. but yeah you're right it would it's be nice
1: if you could like see like the the ball rolling or something i don't know
0: now, like and that would be
1: really easy to fake, like I, they should just implement that honestly.
0: I can definitively say I have personally experienced some scary supernatural things before. Sure. I know it's real, but I don't always think it's real in the way these stories say that it's real
1: yeah I, But
0: that's a topic for a whole other <laughs> episode like
1: because yeah. we've we've talked about like the ghost thing, like yeah. it might not be it might not be just like you're like. Your family member, or like the person yeah. who died, just gets to come back, but like, there's definitely something messed up about like mm-hmm. the the vibes, mm-hmm. dog. So it's something nothing gets you want to mess with around energy, but... and that's maybe it, like
0: like some spiritual warfare going on. that yeah.
1: you don't want to so be a part of. There was a thing that um, I'll tell this story really quick that because we talked about the um the Lake Shawnee episode that yeah like, kids could see stuff that, like, we can't, or, like, the, like, even animals can see stuff that we can. And so, it's like, well, what's the deal with, like, our perception of reality that's different from what, like, a little kid sees? Or is there something that just manifests to a little kid right that isn't to us? And so, something is different there that we can't really explain, but... They can see it, and we necessarily might not um and so my is actually my mom was telling me this that um so my brother in law his little brother has Down syndrome, and so when uh my sister and my now brother in law before they got married, they got engaged and they moved into this house um close to where they live now, and when his little brother would come over he would always talk to this girl sarah and be like you know wave to sarah and like hey sarah all this all, you know all that and then they moved across the street and to like where they live at right now mm-hmm. into their their actual house that they bought and he didn't do it oh <laughs> and then one day they were sitting on the porch and he looked over at their house and oh, was like no. yelling at sarah no and no. so so they pack it
0: up, get out.
1: So my mom's like, "There's like a Sarah there." Yeah, and she's like, "You should research the Sarah in this one." Too. But now it's like, "I'm not going to like dox my sister like
0: that." Right, in yeah,
1: <laughs> like the town that they live in. So yep,
0: that's going to be like a, a private story. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're not going to do that episode. <laughs> Your house was haunted. Um, but then my sister was saying that she, they actually, he, it might just be something that he like does because he's said it since then in their house now. So I don't. I don't know, but yeah, she, she also told me that, um, there was something where they were talking about, um, like his, so, uh, my brother-in-law's dad passed away Mm -hmm. and they were in that house, the, his, like, parents' house, right, where, um, that they were all sitting there. And then uh, the little brother with Down syndrome, you know, was like, hi, daddy. And they were like, what? Oh, man. And then they heard something walking up the stairs. No. And like, no. they both heard it. And, no,
0: that's yeah. so scary. So,
1: yeah. I hope they don't mind me telling those stories on the podcast. They won't. But it's, yeah, that's a really, that's actually a really even more spooky one than the, like, the girl named Sarah. Because it's like. Yeah. That other
0: people in the house heard something.
1: Yeah, both my sister and my brother in law did.
0: That gave me chills, like my arm.
1: Yeah. So, and then, and then you have his little brother, who has Down syndrome, that is like seeing something. Yeah. That's like and saying I hi don't to like him. that. And it's like so, is that like? Like I don't know, seeing through the veil or whatever people yeah. call, it, like the spiritualist people call it. Mm-hmm. But it's like he can see something that no one else can. So yeah. what's going on? So oh, that's so scary. Spooky, yeah.
0: Well, this was a heavy episode.
1: <laughs> it was yeah.
0: Scary it was, and sad.
1: Yeah, it's really sad. But mm.
0: I. It's tragic. Yeah. Horrible piece of history there.
1: It is, and I think, I think it's. I guess it's it's not that it's good to have history like that, but it's good that it still is there so that people can go and learn about the stuff. Not repeat it. Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't guess people would repeat it. Yeah. Either way, like whether it's still there or not, but just that people can go and see that, mm-hmm. you know, this is a part of history that... Yeah. It, you know this happened, and the building is still here, and you can go and learn about the the actual people that were here mm-hmm. and hear what their story was because nobody is nobody's telling their story right at all you I, don't want they, those they were to they be were
0: forgotten
1: they were put there so that no one would tell their story exactly so right. you know now it's and- it's good that that place exists so that people know that. You know, you might not hear every single name or whatever, and they yeah. don't even know all the names that were there probably, but mm-hmm. at least there's a place there that people can still go and learn what, learn what the history was there. Yeah,
0: and like through researching to tell this story, you know, I learned about Dorothy Dix and Thomas Kirkbride, who I, I didn't know their stories yeah. before either, and then like Dorothy did so many amazing things, and so it's, it's good to have, you know, these things so that those t- people are remembered, and we, we don't forget what they did. Right. You know.
1: Yeah, it's uh, definitely like a like a bad piece of history, but also like you have to you have to have like that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess so that the good parts of history seem even better. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe well. that's not true. I don't know. But
0: no, I, I know what you mean. I get what you're saying. What are what are you doing next week?
1: Do so I had a couple of ideas for the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do, I don't remember if we ever mentioned this on the last episode, but I, since we're doing the monster extravaganza, I wanted to do like, what is the monster for every state? Oh, yeah. Um, And just do like a brief synopsis of like each, That'd be cool. each state's monster.
0: Mm-hmm. And then like later on, we could do more in detail.
1: Yeah. And some of the more interesting ones we could put, Either like in a mini episode or like yeah,
0: a. I like that idea. That'd be fun.
1: So. Dirk it,
0: said we should do that and put him in like a, a battle royale. Like do bracket, Like a March Madness. Yeah. A yeah. <laughs> cryptid bracket. Monster Madness. That'd be funny. Yeah. Maybe we could have people vote for like which one and move on to the champion. Yeah,
1: yeah that would be neat. So. Yeah.
0: I told him I thought that would be fun.
1: <laughs> it would be. But I. So some of the monsters are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Some of them are like. Like things I've never heard of, yeah, and it stems from so there's a video, and i I can't remember the guy's name, and I think he I'm, talked
0: about it on the last episode, yeah, I'm gonna have to like shout
1: it out on the it was a YouTube video, yeah, um,
0: you can figure it out and I have it to I
1: have to shout him out on the video on the next episode, but the um it, he basically covers like all of these things, and so yeah. my girlfriend's daughter was like. She was like, You should watch this video. Yeah. And I was like, I've already seen it. And so <laughs> and then she we watched it the entire thing almost.
0: That's so cute.
1: <laughs> so again, she's
0: awesome. <laughs> so
1: anyway. Oh, by the way, she said thank you um for the bracelets Yay! that you gave her.
0: Aww, and she, she liked- said,
1: Yeah, loves Yay! them. And uh she said that uh to give you a hug from her. So, so she's the best. Yep. So
0: I'm going to make her more and, bracelets now. And she
1: <laughs> left a review on our podcast, so everyone else also should. Yeah. Because if a 10-year-old can do it.
0: <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> so can
1: everyone else. So
0: yeah.
1: if you like the episode, leave us a five-star review. Follow all of our social media pages on the Facebook and Instagram at Country Ridge Creeps, And like and share all of our posts and comment and make make the algorithm look really good <laughs> for us. Because that's all we're trying to do is trick robots these days. So... <laughs> Anyway, speaking of you know what I'm gonna start making a disclaimer that the podcast isn't made using AI just so that whenever the AI finally takes over that they know that we're friendly yeah um then we don't abuse them to no, never to make to, for labor and use our never our episodes out of them so anyway, is there anything else that's it okay
0: <laughs> wrap it up bye no say your thing (laughs) you can't end it like that it's so wrong i
1: know uh (laughs) i i wanted to say something else and i just lost it in my head but anyway uh that's it for today um next episode will be either on the monsters or something else that i decide that i suddenly find interesting (laughs) and want to spend all of my time researching so anyway be safe driving home watch out for the not dear bye Bye. i broke my (laughs) thing oh no